Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rumors, Money, and Movies. I hope you're enjoying our intro music. As always, I'm your host, James Bastone. You can follow us at Letterbox at JABMLRC. You can follow us at Twitter at RMM underscore 901. We have an interview coming up next. We said to talk to Antonio. She gave a lot of great information. I was really surprised by a lot of it. So, I hope you guys enjoy that. And then also, we're going to want to talk a little bit about the box office because I teased this new format for the show. And we're going to go through it now, actually, for the first time. A little bit of box office news we're going to get to. My last episode was about Barbenheimer. If you haven't listened to that, please do. If you don't want to listen to it, I don't know what to tell you. I thought it was pretty damn good. But since then, the films have been doing really well at the box office. $214 million was the total box office in the second weekend. In their second weekend, for the entirety of the box office. The third weekend, they led the box office to $178 million, And their fourth weekend, they led it to $115. Now, there has been some new releases during that time frame. But the majority of that is Barbie and Oppenheimer. Each week, Barbie has finished number one, and Oppenheimer has finished either second or third. So these films are really driving box office. They're the reason why these numbers are so big and so high. Barbie currently has over $530 million domestically. They're going to get about 600 over 600 630 640 to get about around 11th all-time in the domestic box office by themselves. Oppenheimer is shooting for, more, for a little bit less than that. Right now, Oppenheimer is currently still beating expectations at $266 million. They're aiming for $300 million. So about $630, $640 for Barbie, about $300 million for Oppenheimer. Why that's important is because if you go to the all-time domestic box office record it's held by star wars force awakens at 936 million dollars well barbie which is at 600 might get up to 620 630 million oppenheimer which made up get up to 300 million these two films combined have a chance to become the highest grossing domestic film of all time i understand they're not the same movie they're two different movies i get all of that but that just shows you that barbenheimer has been a cultural phenomenon up there with Star Wars The Force Awakens, up there with Avengers Endgame. And I know since a lot of people saw both movies, that's also a testament to the strengths of, of these two films domestically. I mean, if you're going to get a combined over $950 million or around there, they're released on the same day. Like, theoretically speaking, they should be actually hurting each other since there's an extra competition. Worldwide, Barbara has $1.1 billion, so they're shooting for about, <clears throat> at the moment, a good number for them would be 1.3, 1.4 billion. Oppenheimer, again, a little bit lower right now, is at around 650 million. But, you know, there's hope that they can get that up to 750 million. So if Barbie ends up being around 1.3, 1.4 million, and Oppenheimer ends up being around 700 million or 800 million, that's going to give them over $2 billion. And that would make them one of only seven movies. To get over $2 billion. And I know I'm referring to them as a single movie. And I get that they're not. But I'm just trying to get the point across that. You know these films were released on the same day. In all the markets. They had a, a lot of hype together. This is very historic. And we needed it. Because the next couple of weeks and months. And the release schedule isn't very good. I know I'm not going to really be going to the theater. There are some big boys coming. But we have to wait. And also films may be getting pushed back. Because of the strike. Because film studios don't want to release a movie when they can't promote it through with the actors 
and the you know people can't promote the movies that they're in. So that's something very interesting to watch. But that's what I wanted to do with the update on the box office for the podcast going forward. You know, we're going to have some interviews lined up after this one. So don't worry about that. I hope you do enjoy this interview there with Scarlett. It was really interesting. I learned a lot from it. And I think there's going to be a lot of hidden gems in there. You're going to be like, whoa, wow, that's very interesting. So I hope you guys enjoy. Again, thanks for listening. And as always, let me know if you have any feedback for this interview. Bye-bye. Hello, as I said earlier, this is now our interview with Scarlett Antonia. And Scarlett asked everyone, whenever they join the podcast, two very important questions. One is, and I know this might be a little different for you, so I'll cater it. I usually say, what is your relationship with film? But I'll say, what is your relationship with art? And then also, what is your favorite either film or piece of theater? Or I won't get into all of that, obviously, but whatever you want to book, whatever you, whatever you want to talk about. Okay. We're starting now. Yes. All right. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm very excited to to be a part of this podcast. It's our very first one. I'm really enjoying working with James on it. Yeah, I started out in theater and I love film. I've always loved film, but I've never worked a lot in it. I did a couple of, oh, understudy things, but not intense. But I've been in theater my whole life. Since um, actually I was three years old, I started and I saw my first ballet then and started taking dance class when I was eight and started working professionally at 13, touring with bus and truck, which means a group of the performers get in a bus and, and head upstate. And that was when I lived in Minnesota and we put on a lot of different shows. And um, yeah, that was the beginning. And then from there went to college and I studied theater, but somebody saw me in a dance class and they said, oh, we're putting on a show and we need somebody to come in and can you make it? We just lost one of our dancers. So the next thing I knew, I was in Chicago rehearsing all week and touring nationally across the United States. And then after that, I went on to work internationally. And uh, well, I can just, I can go on for 20 minutes. (laughs) We'll revisit that. We'll revisit some of what you said. But, but what is your favorite film or play? Or I love film so much. I, I don't know if I have a favorite, um, but I am going to zoom in on two things. Gone with the Wind, because that's my name, Scarlett. That's who I was named after. And the other one is The Wizard of Oz, because we are going to be doing an Ozland festival right here in Peekskill. Yes, we'll we'll get to that, too. And we'll talk about that film a little bit. So you said you started at a very young age. Can you tell a little bit more about like that process? Like what, you know, you were so young when you got into the art. How did you know that it was for you? Oh, it's just when I saw my ballet at three, I thought it was the most beautiful thing in the world. They were all dancing, all individuals, but working together, all dressed in white. And I'm like, this was the most beautiful thing I could ever imagine. And I got to go backstage. Actually, that probably helped too, and meet some of the performers. And uh, they had powder all over them. And Anton Dolan, who was from the London Festival Ballet, um, this was in Minnesota. He called me his little snowflake. 
So that kind of <laughs> helped get me engrossed. And I had to wait, though, till I was seven because my parents didn't want me to start dance until my body was developed enough to take classical ballet. Now I know people can do creative movement at a younger age, which is wonderful because we just naturally like to move. And that's it. I mean, I found out in later years that it wasn't just the dance that and what had intrigued me, it was the um, the feeling of a lot of people working together for an overall project, for a final beautiful performance. And I guess that's been my mission throughout life. And even when I choreograph, I would have a theme and variations, but the variations of the theme, which would be different dancers or, you know, different intent, would all come together in a final product working together and that's that's what i love and that's what my art expresses wow so you also got into theater from that and in your experience how would you view the difference between the different art forms and your experience between them and how they prepared you as you continue to ascend that can go on for quite a few hours <laughs> literally art to me well it was dance and i feel like there's so many lessons that you learn in dance just taking a stretch just stretching your body going beyond the limits of what you think you can do i went from dance into theater and so many so many lessons are amazing probably one of the the major ones that stayed with me between dance and theater is keep moving don't stop moving. Keep your body moving. Keep moving along. If you fall down, get right back up and go on and stay on your journey and don't miss a beat. Keep on going. And, you know, like I said, I moved from dance into or from a performer into choreographer, into teacher, into director, and then I went into theater. And it's all basically the wonderful things about the art that are just an expression of who you are. It's just getting your voice out there and getting it heard. But the things that you learn stay with you for a lifetime. They really do. It's really mm -hmm. incredible. And you did say you worked internationally. Oh, yeah. Where did that take you? Oh, I loved it. <laughs> well, I love touring. I probably had the most fun when I toured nationally. We used to get on the train and head out, a bunch of us. And there were 12 in that company. That was really fun. But then internationally was really even more fun in a different way because we went into different countries. Um, I, we performed at some castles in Scotland, which was incredible. Um, in Italy, on the stages, they call them rake stages. And you wonder how can you perform on that because the front part of the stage is lower than the back part. And that's how you learn about being downstage and upstage. And yet we did that. We we performed on those stages and just seeing different places was incredible. And Ireland, I really liked Ireland. I didn't do the Fringe Festival, but we were close to the time the Fringe Festival was happening. What's but that? It's an international festival in, in um London and Ireland and they do it every year and they just open up everything to theater it's all over the place it's just incredible they do it once a year yeah so how long were you doing the international and even that like how long were you touring for internationally nationally oh well we were on three-month tour national 
nationally. Internationally, it would be in and out, flying in and out in Canada and stuff too. would fly in for a week and uh, do a show and that would be it, you know. Uh, nationally, we the full tour was about three months. We'd go into a town, on the would take the train, hit a town, get a place to stay, squeeze in as many people as we could into a room <laughs> because we're on per diem and uh, then find the local dance place if we could get on stage see the stage area take a dance class rehearse do the show go out afterwards party have a good time and and get on the train and head out again wow it was a lot of fun you must have a lot of crazy stories oh yeah <laughs> and any of them you wish to care to share me well, I, I don't know. Probably, probably not too many. I mean, it was just fun. I think the one of the funnest parts was just you know say, oh yeah, there's three of us, and then five would kind of get into the room instead of three mm. or seven, you know. And how did that? How was that journey though? Because sort of a unpredictable lifestyle, like all the you don't have a home if you're on the road for three months. How do you deal with that? As a oh, I loved it. I loved it. That was our home. That was my home. Mm. Home is inside of you. It's your home and you take it wherever you go. I mean, that is your true home. It's mm. it's in your side and it doesn't matter where you live. And now I, I feel like I've settled probably for the first time in peak skill where I really have a physical home too, you know, but mm. I don't know. I just, I just like to tour. I like to travel. So when you ended your career as like a dancer, what you said you became a uh... A director at some point as well like how did that process go okay well the process was pushed on me i you know we had the national tour and then i did other performances throughout the united states arkansas hot springs arkansas I was down there for a month and then coming i think that we were supposed to go to missouri we did some other shows there and what year was this uh roughly years oh, i can't I can't, I don't know. I was like 18, 19, 20. Oh, okay. you know, I was young. And then I came back off the road. Oh, the part of being on the road, which, you know, would sit in the dressing room and I'd hear stories uh, that were pretty horrendous about people wanting parts and what they would do to get parts, the understudies. I guess those are some stories that are probably not so great, but people would, I heard somebody put glass in somebody's point shoes so they could get the part, you know? So things, wow. yeah. I mean, and I thought, well, I love performing. I love dancing, but I don't like the business. I came off the road then and just feeling like, I don't know, what am I doing with my life? And I was in my early twenties and um, actually ended up in a car accident, <laughs> And so it really took me off my feet, literally. I had I was thrown out of a Volkswagen, which uh, was smashed by a, a truck. I was thrown out or I would have been dead and onto the pavement. And I shouldn't even be alive, but I was. I made it through that and I rehabilitated myself. It took me a year using dance training to get back wow. up to performance level. And when I was at performance level again... That must have been... A hard pull to swallow. It was, it was, but I had such a passion for for my art that I it pushed me through, and my whole goal was just to get back on stage again, hmm. and which I did, and uh, working with a director and a choreographer, I started thinking, oh, I wonder if 
I would do this instead of that. And, you know, thinking instead of just taking the directions from the director, mm-hmm. I started thinking beyond that. And that's when my creative juices started to kick into place. And after I got up on stage, I accomplished my goal and I wanted to go into choreographic work mm-hmm. then. And um, <clears throat> the first choreographic piece I did I was used to very more commercial work like you know Broadway stuff oh I did perform you know at Lincoln Center and Kennedy Center and wow yeah yeah you hit the big one I forgot all about all those I was just thinking about getting on the train and touring um yeah uh Lincoln Center was great and um we had national coverage what type of shows do you I mean a lot of people may not be familiar with like something like dance and the more niche like what type of shows are you doing what type of well yeah i've done so many things that's why i said i can go on and on forever the those actually the performance at lincoln center was in later years i the way it happened is i came to new york to move actually moved to new york city because i was living in the midwest before and we rehearsed out of chicago and toured out of there but actually living in new york I came to New York and I saw Lincoln Center and I saw that stage and I said, I'm going to be on that stage. So, (laughs) so actually in two days I was on stage giving flowers to a performer. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And um, it was really incredible. But so then I was like working as an artist assistant for a while. And I thought there's so many talented people here. The, they should, Juilliard performers, you know, people, a lot of Juilliard, a lot of dancers, musicians. I just felt they should be actually performing. So I put together with the with the, one of the producers for Lincoln Center and uh, at, at Alice Tully Hall, we put together a Ushers on Stage performance. And we had national coverage all over the United States. And I was, you know, on NBC, ABC. It was really a fun, fun experience. My girlfriend called me from Washington, the state of Washington. And she said, Scarlett, I saw you on TV. (laughs) You know? Wow. So, I mean, it was, it was really, that was one of my highlights that I, I really enjoyed. Um, And roughly what year was that? uh, well, I was older then. Um, I was probably because I had recovered from my car accident. I went into choreography. Then I was directing. And then I started producing. That was kind of producing. So probably, I don't know. I, and I had a studio and stuff, too. I was probably in my 40s then. Mm. Yeah, early 40s. Mm. Yeah, that was when I, you know, kind of was hitting the production part of the entertainment business. Mm. Um, and I've done everything, you know, I, I worked at Colorado Springs with a ballet company there as artist in residence. I mean, I've got an extensive, crazy, a lot of different things. Oh, you've been all over. Oh, yeah, I have. I have. And, and done a lot of different work. Yeah, a lot. But it's all in the entertainment. And um, now I just feel like really more on the creative edge of everything, because I feel that's the beginning where you have a dream and you manifest your dream you know you you create it and make it happen and it it does it can it Mm. can happen so then how long have you been here in Peekskill I've been in Peekskill 20 years but when I first came here I was still in New York City too 
I uh, was going back and forth because I was doing shows in, in New York City as well. Mm. I perf performed at numerous theaters in New York City. Mm. The Cape Playhouse, the Ford Theater, Palace Theater. I put quite a few shows together. Mm -hmm. And so now you do more, you're in Peekskill, you do a lot at the Paramount Theater. Yeah. With But more more like plays now than dance. Mm -hmm. Correct. So it's like, when did you um make that switch completely? Because when you were in New York City, were you making mostly theater plays? Or were you still in dance? or Co Combination. I started an on-off stage theater company. And which had dance in it. And actually, we put together a couple of original shows. I did a um, preview showing at Kaufman Cultural Center for Wonderland Follies and um, got a really, really good review on it. And But it was theater and dance, you know, it's a combination. So I, I used from dance into theater. Uh, musical theater, you know, is kind of my easy transition, but I do straight, straight work also, straight dramatic plays. So transitions now your peak skill career. So you came up here from the city. Now you in the in peak skill area. So tell a little bit about what you do in peak skill. Yeah, I I actually moved up here to get out of the city. I was tired of hitting the pavement, the concrete, and a friend of mine who was a, a clown with Ringling Brothers. And, An actual uh, <laughs> clown, not, not a, not a uh, yeah, I don't even mean. Yeah, yeah he, he was great, but he said, you know, he's looking for a place, and he said, oh, try Peekskill. They're, they're wanting artists to come up here. And so I came up, and I went into the Paramount Theater, and I fell in love with the Paramount Theater. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that's why I want to be in Peekskill. And then I realized, yeah, there are trees here, the water is here, and it's only an hour out of New York City. So that helped my transition because I was able to go back and forth. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I got an artist loft because you had to get certified as an artist, which, you know, of course, I have been my whole life. So I had an artist loft and, and moved here and started open mic events. That was one of my first things. And um, started shows with the school district. Actually, we did something with a middle school LEAP program, which was called Peak Skill Private Eyes. It was street theater. We mm -hmm. developed it. I developed it with the kids and then put it on some professional actors. And we went around to the different businesses and doing scenes in different locations. And the, the, the audience was walking around on tour instead of the right. performers. Right, right, and right. It was very successful. It was a lot of fun. That was probably the very first thing I did here. And uh, then went on to the high school, worked with the drama club. We had done the first musical since 1979, you know? Mm. So that was really, really good to get the club going and get them working. I was there for probably five years off and on, but I was still doing stuff in the city then too. And um, we did quite a few shows. We did Greece was our first, or actually Fame was our first show because it didn't take a lot of sets and props and they hadn't done anything like that for so long. 
So we, we did that. And uh, then the kids said, we want to do Greece. We want to do Greece. And I'm like, no, that's so good. We're just starting. <laughs> How can we do that? Right. <laughs> they, they said, we can, we can. And they talked me into it. And I was like really a nervous wreck over it because I thought, oh, my God, we have to, you know, we're competing with all, you know, this great show. And the kids did it. It was phenomenal. And that wow. was that was the kickoff for the drama club in a peak skill high school. Yeah. After that, I, I wanted to do more stuff with the Paramount. We had done some smaller things with the Paramount and I had, I had a small dance company that I was working with and I just felt I wanted to do more shows there. So then I first show there was Cats and what I do there is family entertainment and right. it seats a thousand. And every show I've done there is sold out. Wow. Everyone. The first one was Cats. We did. I How long ago was this? Two performances in Cats. And then we did Annie. Annie was in 2010. So wow. I don't remember all these dates because it's a lot. Um, Annie right. sold out. You've done so many. Yeah. So much. Just, it's, uh, it's a lot. How I, many shows do you think you've done? Over in- a thousand. That I've been in or directed or produced or created. And that doesn't even include the amount of like shows you did for those shows, like the amount of showings you did for each show. Shows? Uh, you mean you did a thousand like I think I've different done, productions? Yeah, from the from the get-go, I think. Because yeah. I was thinking that from the get-go. Because I could figure out probably 500 shows that I ended up choreographing, directing, producing, wow. you know, and then I thought, yeah, but I performed all those years before that. Why, when you were a kid you know? well. Yeah. So I probably done thousand. I probably, you know, if you put it all together, um, wow. I just came up with that figure the other day, you know, it has, it's a lot. It's a lot. And you're still going. Oh, you're yeah. still going. It's my whole life. And um, yeah, we did Annie. We, that was the next big show at the Paramount. We did three shows of that. Everyone sold out. Then the next show was my, my performers in there. One of the performers, I saw, oh, she's got to be Dorothy. She is Dorothy for the Wizard of Oz. So that was the next one. So in doing a show, I always do research going into it. And I started researching about the Wizard of Oz getting ready for doing the show. I had a great gal who played Annie. I knew she could do Dorothy. Um, Beautiful young talent. And uh, Gabrielle Sansone. Right now she's doing cruises around uh, around the world. She's 21 now. Wow. Okay, so Gabby's doing really well. Who else have you worked with that? Oh, yeah, I've worked with so I've been coaching. I mean, I love doing that. Gabby's gone on to major career touring Norwegian cruise line. And my most recent student, I put her on stage when she was 10 years old, nine and a half, 10. And at 12 years old, she won America's Got Talent, Grace Vanderwall. <laughs> wow. <laughs> And the, and the way the way it happened, I mean, she was one of my munchkins. And then I took her around to do a lot of shows in town here in New York City. And uh, she was very shy. She was mm-hmm. very shy. And I was trying to help her get over her shyness. And um, we <laughs> was we she did stuff for producers and everything. But she won a million dollars at 12 years old. You know, and wow. she's doing amazing things. Oh, I know what I was going to think about. Her mother called me one day and she said, Scarlett, Grace just got this ukulele 
And mm-hmm. that's she's, what she's famous for. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, she's kind of tweaking it and playing and it sounds kind of good. <laughs> I'm like, oh, really? Ukulele. Hmm. Okay. All right. So let's see what we can do with that. And so I got her doing the open mic events um, at the Bean Runner and she did her first uh, song there. You must I, be so, pr- you must have been so happy when she won the. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty intense because she had to go to so many calls for inter- interviews and stuff because it was hard. And they ended up going out to California. They had to stay there, I think, almost a month and being auditioned over and over. It was really intense. And uh, she she just couldn't believe it. She was having you know, a lot of fun. And now she's, uh, she moves back to New York and she's feeling really excited because she feels like she's free, a free spirit. She has her own apartment. She's 19 years old now. Wow. You guys still, you still keep in touch with that? (laughs) I talked to her about a a month ago, actually three weeks ago. I was going to try to bring her here to uh, Peekskill. Wow. Yeah. And she said maybe she could come, but then now she's working on some new videos. So I don't know. Wow. That's she's doing stuff in the city right now. That's amazing. That's, <laughs> and, it, and I mean, is there any, any other like monsters that you've worked with over here that we should be told about? Or, well, I want to go back to Chris Kraft. He was one of, um, one of my first. He ended up, this is quite a few years ago, doing a Madonna video, Material Girl. So if any of you see that, you look on the, his right-hand side, or her right-hand side, he is on her right-hand side. Mm-hmm. And uh, he went on to do quite a few videos with Madonna and um, a lot of different ballet companies and stuff, and touring in Egypt, and he did really well. But then he went into uh, psychology, Wow! and he's doing a lot of things on stage, you know, all the mm-hmm. talents that he learned. He's transposing him. Um, this is little Ava. She's starting to do really good now, too. She has Ava Gallo. She has her own radio interview for uh, jazz musicians and stuff. Wow. She's doing great. Um, Katie Davis is doing work on Broadway. It's like she's she wanted to be a director. I had her at the high school. And... Um, she was helping me, you know, when we were building the, the club, and uh, now she's an assistant director of Beetlejuice. Everybody knows that. Yeah, it's Katie Davis. She's doing great. Um, I don't know. And then I've worked with the Tracy girls who became, when I was in Colorado, they were in the ballet company. They became principal dancers with City Ballet, both of them, both of them. And they retired now, but mm-hmm. major, major talent. Um, that's New York City Ballet. So go from theater to ballet to vocal, who else? And they were saying, well, who have I? I remember <laughs> I remember sitting next to Liza when we were, Liza Minnelli, when we were um, doing a show at Carnegie Hall. And I was sitting next to her. And she was a wreck because they had all these divas upstage singing. And she was, she was so nervous. And she got up there and she did a great job. And then I had another encounter with her, too, when we were doing um, Madison Square Garden. It was right after 9-11 and uh, the firefighters. And I'll never forget her storming in and just jumping in into rehearsing right away. Right away. She didn't miss a beat. Um, It meant so much to her, you know. Yeah, I mean, and we used to have, when I was young growing up, Dean Martin came over to the house 
What do you mean? Wait, what? Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> I had, I'd lived around performers. What uh, do you mean Dean Martin came to your house? Uh, he was a friend of my aunt, and uh, I was staying with my aunt. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. I love Dean Martin. Yeah, he was great. And I was supposed to be a mouseketeer, but I... I what was, was he like? What was, what was oh, the he was just great. I just met him, you know. Hello, I was just a kid, you know. Right. You know who he was, though. <laughs> well, I didn't then. <laughs> we had all kinds of famous people in and out. And uh, who, who else was in and out? Oh, I, I don't even know. Um, well, you know, like I said, with the ballet company, Anton Dolan, he's written up in all ballet books. You know, if you're not into classical ballet, but he's written up all over the place historically. I was his snowflake. So three, four years old, you know, I came to New York when I was the first time I was eight years old, went to the Copa Cabana with my aunt. Mm. <laughs> And she was, she did some, some Broadway stuff too. And uh, she fell out of the moon. She was, she was a dancer mm. in the moon and the wires broke on the moon and she was thrown into the orchestra pit and that kind of finished Jerry Lewis, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lead with that. Yeah. And um, actually I never met Bob Hope, but I have some scripts that he used when he was uh, performing. I have the original scripts. Wow. Yeah. I never met him personally, though. But um, oh, and Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> actually, I didn't. I didn't actually meet her personally, but I was at. Um, he did General Hospital. He had just gotten a place in Hollywood Hills. Who was this? Who was this? I can't remember his name. He's a major, major player. General Hospital, very famous guy. Is that Tony? Tony, yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I was out at his place, and she sent over some big pots and stuff, plants, welcoming him. Tony Jones? Um, no, Tony Gearland? I'm going to find anyway, continue this stuff. I'm gonna yeah, I, I can't even remember. His, Tony, I, I don't know. Or I don't even know. Anyway, was. anyway. So but he, I was at his place, and um, he was really nice, and Chris was there, too. And Chris, um, Chris Kraft. Oh, I see. He was the one that did um, Madonna. Madonna. And uh, yeah, Elizabeth Taylor sent over this big flower pot for his patio. Wow. I've got a picture with him and his, one of his maids, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that's. Yeah. A lot of people you just named. Yeah, Hermon. Do you remember the Hermonicats? I don't know if you know them or not. I performed with them down in um, Hot Springs, Arkansas. Mm, not familiar. And then the Royal, the Flying. See now, now I'm getting into a whole different mind frame. Flying Royals. Um, they did the circus movie, and um, they taught me how to fly on a trapeze. Actually, because wow, I would do that was that was another America's Got Talent. Uh... I'm seeing here they used to they did that. Yeah, and they taught me how to walk up the ladder to get to the top, and I had a lot of fun with them. I was young, but I couldn't tell my director I was doing that, or I would have been fired because I was a dancer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I couldn't be flying on trapeze. Wow! But they were they they were pretty famous flying royals. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
Is there anything else you want to talk about for this? Oh, dear. I don't know if he wrote a book. Yeah, Norman Cackle. He was, oh, well, Clark Gable. I never met him. Clark Gable? Yeah, but my aunt. That was. Who's your aunt? Mickey Carlisle. And uh, she, I was supposed to be a Mouseketeer. She was out in Hollywood. And um, she had lunch with Clark Gable and some of those people. And I never met him personally, but I got that close to being a Mouseketeer. I wanted to do that. Yeah. I've got a picture of him with her sitting. So your aunt was very well connected. Yeah. Well, she, she did a lot of stuff in New York. Yeah. It was during the twenties, forties, you know, during the war. I mean, yeah, she, and I lived with her and she um, was one of my dance instructors along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, going back, I did the research, started learning about L Frank Baum who went to military academy in Peekskill as a young man when he was 13 years old. His parents wanted to give him some discipline. He wasn't very disciplined. He was a creative. And creatives really have are free spirits. And you do what you want to do, and you have to. I mean, you're a free spirit, and you're independent. And his parents thought that would help him get disciplined. And, of course, he had a very difficult time there, and he wasn't healthy either. And so he ended up there two years. And then I think actually it says that he, you know, he did get sick at one point. And so he went back home, but he was here in Peekskill at the military academy. And that was the beginning and yellow bricks were out there. Yellow brick road was there and he had to look out the window of military academy and say, I want to go somewhere. And when you think about it, look at the characters in the wizard of Oz, do they look like military academy soldiers? They could be (laughs) the flying monkeys and the different characters. So anyway, that I did a lot of research on that and we did the show. We had four performances sold out at the Paramount, which seats a thousand. And we had two encores. Our performances were in January and the encores were in June. And it just showed me you know, what a desire there is for the Wizard of Oz and how important the message is that he has to offer us. And now I started the Ozland Festival to celebrate him in the Yellow Brick Road and Peekskill um, and just really put on that wonderful opportunity for people to have hope and have their dreams out there that they can come true. You can dream Mm -hmm. and it's okay. And you can make that dream happen, but it takes work. You've got to get on the road. You've got to overcome obstacles. Like you. Oh, yeah. Not easy. Not easy. But you never give up. You don't give up because you have your goal in mind. You're going towards home, your home, your homeland. And uh, that's what his story is about. And you might feel like you don't have some equipment to do it. Maybe you need a heart or a brain or, you know, whatever. Dorothy needed red shoes. But whatever you think, you've got it in you already to do it. And you can, you can make it home. You can. Mm -hmm. And uh, Wizard is just a man like anybody. He doesn't have all the answers. You have the answers yourself. And that's what I I really believe in. And I want to put that mission out as we get ready for our Auslan Festival this year. It's the third annual, September 16th, 2023, Mm. (laughs) in Peekskill from 12 until 6 p.m. 
Mm, yeah, you spoke a little bit why it spoke, it speaks to you so much. Uh-huh. I mean, there's been so many iterations of Wizard of Oz. Like, why do you think it is always being plays and movie make remakes and, and this is one book? Right. Well, he wrote 13 books, actually. He did. And right. then, yeah. But usually people focus on but, the first yeah, book. Yeah. I mean, that, that was, <clears throat> yeah. the, and, you know, and he also did the first musical. Um, I think it became, well, it became uh, America's fairy tale, um, you know, which is the big fairy tale of, for America, like Alice in Wonderland was for London. Um, because the message is basically about empowerment and finding who you are and not being afraid to to go for that. It is a message that is true for all of us. I think that's why it continues. And then uh, they did the movie in 1939, but it actually was out in theaters in 1940. And that's the same year that uh, Peekskill became a city. So wow. I thought it was kind of interesting, the connection. Um, that uh, and, and that really pushed, I think, really made the difference with Judy Garland and all the color halfway through. Oh, yeah, it was amazing, amazing. You can't imagine seeing that live. Yeah, really. People's <laughs> minds must have been blown. I mean, honestly, because they didn't, they didn't know, right? They just like halfway yeah. through with the black and white, and then boom, color. Yeah, galore too. So beautiful. Yeah. So beautiful. Yeah. Who's your favorite character? Um, in what the Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I never had thought about that. Probably Glenda, mm. <laughs> the good witch, you mm. know, trying to give positive suggestions and help along the way. Mm. And I guess that's my my job now. I'm just kind of here supporting people, supporting the arts, and um, helping people get on their path and follow their dream. And this is has become, in a way, your kind of big thing to your career, sort of the lasting Oh, yeah. Because you have Aslan, you've done theater, you've done uh, additional plays that aren't actually The Wizard of Oz, sort of about his life, oh. and the making of it. So it's like, this is like your kind of, your last big thing in a way, no? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the last chapter. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I do want to leave a legacy here in Peekskill. And I'd like to see it continue if I'm here or not, you know. And so what exactly is the uh, festival? Uh, the festival... As I said earlier, once again, September 16th, <laughs> I'm pushing from 12 until 6. In Peekskill. In Peekskill, downtown Peekskill, uh, closing off South Street, which is right in front of my studio. That's why we wanted South Street closed. And Brown Street, which is in front of the Paramount Theater, um, which actually we saw a rainbow over there the other day, right over wow. the rainbow, right over the theater, mm -hmm. which was incredible. Um, yeah, we're going to have all kinds of fun stuff. Jonathan is going to be our storyteller. Who's Jonathan? Um, he is amazing storyteller that has talked. He's a historian. He's done a lot of Sleepy Hollow. He does that every year. He's really great. We've got a great team of people. Actually, James is on our team too. Yes. Who's interviewing me. So happy to have him on board. And uh, we got a nice little team of people that are helping put it together this year. Uh, we have vendors. Uh, we have sponsor vendors can be, you know, food vendors, arts and crafts, um, 
people, you know, so you have musical performances, musical performances on yep. stage. There'll be a DJ. We're going to be dancing in the street. We're going to have line dance. You're going to have Zumba. That's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have characters walking around. We're going to have family fun throughout the day is what's going to happen. Mm. All inspired by the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, it is inspired by the Wizard of Oz and celebrating peak skills diversity because it is a town of diversity. So I wanted to call it the the Emerald City of Diversity because we have Latinos, we have African-Americans, we have Irish, we have, I mean, it's a very diverse community mm. and which makes it very special. So I feel it's truly an Emerald City of Oz. Yeah, I think it's really a really fun event. And it's also, I think, interesting the fact that you've made that connection with Frank Baum. It has a connection here. Mm-hmm. You know, not many people think about that in the sense of, you know, you when you hear about Sleepy Hollow, for example, it's always right. like Headless Horseman, Headless Horseman. But it's also interesting to think about the fact that maybe another great American story was also right here in Westchester. Yes, yes. So it's very... Absolutely. Frosty the Snowman was made in Ormond. I don't know if you know that. No, I didn't. Yeah. So... Wow. Yeah. So it's like a lot of... So I'm just saying it's interesting because like they have... I know Armand... Uh, where I'm from, like they have Frosty Parade. I know Sleepy Hollow has all that stuff. Yeah, that's, Jonathan, so that's what Jonathan does. The next thing here in another festival to like kind of honor. It'll stay as a legacy for Peak Scale. Mm-hmm. Bring in tourists and, and build the businesses here and just be part of the history of the mm-hmm. land because it's important, the message. I think it's important for all of us. Um, I'm going to do other things too, though. I'm not just going to do the right. Wizard of Oz. Right, yeah, more theater, oh, yeah. play productions. Love, I love it. I love art theater. showcases. Art and... showcases in the studio, dance classes, uh, theater classes. I have Antonia Arts started. We, I started the not-for-profit here when I moved here. Um, yeah, it's, you know. We'll be doing other things too, but mm. main focus is the Wizard of Oz. That's the main focus. And your your career is not done yet because you still obviously have a lot you're planning. But if you, if you reflect, uh-huh. what's the one thing you look back on, or the the project you look back on, or the memories that you look back on? What is sort of what you take away from you from everything you've been through? Oh, I've I've done such a variety of things, and I guess that's the main thing is the variety. I love the variety and challenges. Every every time there was a challenge, overcoming the challenges, um, going on to the next step, never giving up. I guess, you know, that's why it's hard to pick one thing. But, you know, like I said, my first ballet was an important thing. My touring nationally, we had so much fun. International, doing shows at Lincoln Center was fun. Yeah, I don't. Oh, I worked with a ballet company in Colorado. That was, I don't know. It's, I just liked it all. I mean, I've done, I like mopping the floor on the stage. I liked working with the Air Force down in Colorado Springs. We had, we're in a theater there with, there was a hole in the roof and the snow was coming in. I mean, just goofy stuff like that along the way. A lot of fun, different things. And I guess looking at it and, just look at the big picture. I mean, I love the opportunity to create and to get my voice heard, get other people's voices heard. I think 
to me, that's my main mission mm -hmm. to help people get their voices heard and create and become a team working towards a common goal. Mm. And what's one piece of advice you have maybe for people who are just getting into the business or in the business now? It's a hard business, you know, but never give up. Stay creative. There's more than one choice. You have more than one choice in life. If one thing doesn't work, find another way. That's it. You know, I went from being a performer to uh, a choreographer. Everybody has more than one thing they can do, but their basic, their basic root of who they are is there. And uh, mm -hmm. I guess so you have choices and never give up. Stay on your path. Right. Follow the yellow brick road to Oz and home. Yeah. I think um, that's a, a good message, especially considering you've been through, again, crazy. But I also like to extend the opportunity to every guest. You know, I've been kind of asking questions now. I'm going to stop. My last thing is, whatever you want to talk about, anything. Anything you want to say as we wrap up here. Any, literally anything. You want to talk about stuff we just talked about, stuff you didn't bring up, whatever. Mm -hmm. The floor is yours. I love the opportunity to get the word out and to work with James and, and doing a podcast. This is one of my dreams, actually. <laughs> I've been talking about podcasts for a couple of years. And the first, this is uh, one of my dreams is to, to do one. And here we're doing it. And I'm so happy that you're on board to work with us for the Oslan Festival. Yeah, and no, it's great. And I tell everybody to come to me, a lot of fun. Um, And I say... I mean, as you heard from Scarlett, like she's very talented and she's done a lot of stuff. So even after the Auslan, she's going to have some stuff coming up in Paramount. So if you're looking for some theater uh, to go see, please do that. And also I can say now I'm going to be part of the Auslan Festival. Actually, not only me, but RMM is going to be part of the Auslan Festival because we're going to have a table. We're going to have a vendor table. So, you know, if you happen to come. That it is, but even if you don't come, it's going to be there. We'll post some stuff about it, and we'll we'll do that. But it's going to be fun to be a part of it as well as official partner of the of the festival too. So we're looking forward to it as well, Scarlett. So thanks so much, Scarlett, for coming on. I really appreciate you talking about your career, talking about Wizard of Oz a little bit, and why you think it's such a meaningful story, and why it's so endearing. And also, you know, the Oslan Festival is coming up. And... Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Yes, thank you. And again, guys, you can follow us. At Twitter at Arnold's1901 and at Letterboxd at JBNYRIC. Please do that. As you always can, make sure to like, subscribe, share. I'm sure you're going to, Scarlett's going to do a lot of stuff on Facebook about this. <laughs> I hope. But anyway, regardless of that, thank you guys for listening and we'll talk soon. Bye bye.